right. Because uh, we're in church. And, um, but I've been excited about just preaching about illuminating. And in week one, we talked about shining even when we're struggling. We're able to still shine when we're struggling. The enemy can't cover you up enough to stop what God wants to do through you. He cannot do that. Even though you're struggling, you still have permission from God to shine and bring the love and the warmth of God's love. Last week, we talked about, we learned that we, can, we cannot believe God to shine the light into the world until we accept that light shining into our own world. Um, because it's easier to tell people that they can can get it together, but it's hard to receive that you can get it together. Right. It's easy to tell someone that you love them. It's harder to hear that they, that you're loved. And so, because you live with yourself, you know what you've been through, you know what you've done, you know, the, 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 all the horrible things you've done in your life. So it's easy to say, God can, God can take you and, and raise you up, but it's hard for him to overcome all the fallacies in my life. But we've learned that no matter what I've done, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Amen. But, but since today is our tech quote unquote last Sunday of the year, our quote unquote Christmas service, uh, some of you only came because you wanted to hear about how a baby was born miraculously. And so I got to give you a Christmas story. All right. And, but it's a little different. It's a little different um, than we normally remember. We've been digesting our Christmas story from the gospel according to John. Not the gospel according to Luke, where in Luke, they tell the full story of how he was uh, born in a manger. And, and you know, the, the wise men came from near and far, the Magites, and, and all these things happen. And, and we understand that. But we started in John, where it opens up like this in John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. And I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. Uh, it says, in the beginning, say beginning. In the beginning. And that means before all time. And that word time there in the Greek is chronos. Chronos. It's what we get from our watch. It's the tick, tick, tick. Before time began. From, the, from before time. Before the clock started ticking. Um, there's another word for time in the Bible. And it's keros. Which is a moment that sits outside of chronos. It is the favorable moment which all of us have access to by faith. So let, let me stop. This has nothing to do with my message, but I feel I have to say this. Some of you right now are waiting on the chronos, your clock, to tick for you to receive something. But I'm here to tell you, you are as a child of God exists outside of chronos and you live in a charis moment, which is an always continual, perfect, perpetual, favorable moment because you are God's favorite child. Does God play favorite? Yes, he does. I'm his favorite. You're his favorite. He plays favorites with all each and every last one of us by ourselves. We bounce on our God's lap like a kid all the time. Come on. And so we can live in favorable moments, but that has nothing to do with the message today, but I felt it was for you. That's free. All right. So in the beginning, before all time was the word, which is Christ. That is uh, Rhema, the revealed word of God. And the word of God was with God and the word was God himself. So those of you who debate who Jesus is, the scripture clearly spells out who he was. He was God incarnate and he was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. 
So when did Jesus exist? Was it when he entered into the womb of Mary? No, he existed before that. The word always exists. Amen? It always exists. And verse 3, all things were made and came into existence through him. And without him, not even one thing was made that has come into being. Okay, explain that, Pastor. Okay, the word. What did God do in Genesis chapter 1 in order for things to be created? What did he do? He spoke what? Words, right? He spoke words. Those words were light, grass, cows, birds, roaches. Why? <laughs> Mosquitoes. <sighs> that shouldn't even... <sighs> but anyway, but... <laughs> But he spoke everything in existence. And the word of God is the revealed, is the word of God is him revealing himself in creation. So that's how Jesus is. So this, this, this is, I always tell people to test, the word of God. Words take breath, right? They take, they take breath. And I always tell people to do this right now. Stick your hand in front of your face. And don't, don't get too close to your neighbor. Some of you, your, your toothpaste wore off. And so... You stick your hand in front of your face and go and just blow. Say, no one passed out. Praise Jesus. You had to get an old church mother to pass out some peppermints. But, but, but now, do it again. So, was that the breath or was that your breath? My girl Yolanda back in the house, baby, baby. <laughs> but it, it, it was your breath. I've never heard someone talk to someone and be like, the breath stinks. They'd be like, your breath stinks. Right? And, and why? Because a breath does not exist apart from that which it originated. So Jesus, the spoken word of God, the revealed word of God, does not exist apart from God. I hope that brings clarity to how you think of Jesus. He is the revealed word. You do not exist because you are a breath, pneuma, which we get the word pneumonia from, or pneumatology, where we get the, the study of wind or how we breathe in our bodies. It, it, it is the same thing. The pneuma, our spirit of God. You are filled with the breath of God. When he kneeled down into the dirt and he begins to breathe the breath of life into men, that breath is still on the inside of you, which means the spirit of the living God is on the inside of you. And every breath you take, every, every word you speak is redeemable because it originates from one breath. Think about that. Selah. Hmm. Pause. So, how did I get there? I'm just reading the scripture. Merry Christmas. I'm like, where the baby at? Okay, we, we get there. So, all things were existence by him and the being. Verse 4. In him was life and the power bestowed the power to bestow life. In him was life and the power to bestow life. And the life was the light of men, illuminate. 
the light of men, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not understand it or overpower it. Hallelujah. Or appropriate it or absorb it and is unreceptive to it. That's how powerful the light of God is. He is life and he is light. He has the power to give life and he has the power to, to, to restore life. Some of you walked in today need life restored. Life has been hard and, and you've lost your joy and you've lost your peace and, and you've come here to, to, to this Sunday morning gathering and I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the only one that can restore that life. You won't find it if you had more money. You won't find it if you had a bigger house. You won't find it if you had a more expensive car because expensive cars take away your life when you go get all changed and then you won't find it. <laughs> So I traded that BMW in, had to go. Uh, but, but, um, but the only thing that gives life is Jesus. So I have a question for you. Have you ever been to an event and knew all about the person you went to see? Or the thing you went to see, like, like you wanted to go to a concert and, and you know, you know, Janet Jackson is back on tour and, you know, that was my baby boo back in the day, you know what I'm saying? Ever since good times. <laughs> but, you know, you, you know all about them, you know, everything about them like the, the, you, you can you can quote when they were born you know where they were born you know their whole discography or you know uh, their talent that they have you know everything about it. like some of you here you, you you go online and you see the bio of the pastor and you come here and you know about me and and you've been there and and we've all done it before we we assume because we know about the person that we know the person that's why, you know, um, Deion Sanders just left Jackson State. This is the most controversial that's out there right now. He leaves Jackson State and everybody's upset. Well, Deion said, well, Deion said, no, you knew about Deion. You didn't know Deion. And so people started drawing opinions about a person they knew about, but they didn't know. Married people, take the time to get to know your spouse. Don't just know about them. The gift doesn't matter if you don't know them. I said it again. The gift doesn't matter if you don't know them. Amen. And so we, we come to that point that we think we know them, but we really don't know who they are. In our text today, in our text today, in our text today, um, we see John giving us a look into who Jesus is. Okay, who Jesus is not. He's not telling us about Jesus. He's telling us who Jesus is. Okay, and and not just the fact that he was a baby born to an immaculate conception. But here's my first statement. Write this down. John provides us with a clear evidence that Jesus is the son of God and that believing in him, we may have eternal life. 
John skips all the begots and 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 they begot them and they begot them and they begot them and they got down with them and they got down with them and then such and such that was 14 generations then they begot then they begot then they begot then they begot and that was 14 generations and then they begot you know he skipped all that and he just said in the beginning Jesus existed he is the son of God he was with God and so this Christmas this is the Christmas story today he wasn't just a baby he was God he was Emmanuel and so Christmas isn't just a cute holiday that we get dressed up for and we celebrate and we take pictures and we open presents no this is a holiday where the greatest presence was wrapped in flesh so this year I want you to do reverse I want you to celebrate the wrapping not the unwrapping And so this Christmas, we have to celebrate that God wrapped himself up in a dirt suit so he can be relatable with us. That's what Christmas is all about. It's about understanding that we have a God that loves us enough to share in the human experience with us, to share with the hurt that we have, to share with the pain that we have, to understand what depression feels like, to understand what loneliness feels like, to understand what betrayal feels like, to understand what sickness feels like, to understand what it means to lose a friend, to understand what it means to lose a family member. Jesus got wrapped up so he can experience what you experience so he can help you through what you're experiencing. If you're going to clap, go ahead and clap. Go ahead. Don't play with it. If we're going to do it, do it big then. We're going into 2023. Come on. We're going to do it big. Write this down or take a picture. Many people know of Jesus, but they do not know Jesus. You can walk the streets all day. Evangelistic, the evangelistic outreach of the church has seemed to become powerless because every time they go out, they start with the wrong question. They ask them, do you know Jesus? And they go, yeah, I know Jesus. Everyone has heard of Jesus. But no, 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 no. You got to follow that up and say, now, do you know Jesus? Do you really understand who he is. Oh, he was just a good person. You ask him. And, and, and we get trapped with that question by asking the first thing. And we feel like since they know, him, now we move on to the next one, Road. We move to the next person. We don't take the time to really understand and help them understand who Jesus really is. Knowing someone is hearing or reading hearsay of a person. It can be gossip or secondhand accounts. How many people not only know you because of gossip? Come, let's go old church. Somebody say, well. <laughs> Made me feel like I was preaching good for a second. But no, they only know you because of what others said about you. And they create a caricature of who they think they're meeting. But then when they meet you and they say stuff like, you're nothing like. Thought you okay now let me bring that to the spiritual there's a lot of people that you need to get here the second week in January that say they know Jesus but when they get here and they experience the power of Jesus through the greeting in the parking lot through through the worship that take place and through the word that is preached they're gonna be like he 
he's nothing like Instagram said he was. He's nothing like the media made him seem like. He ain't racist at all. Wow, Jesus ain't a Republican. Oh, I didn't know that. Because we get these information from secondhand account and we don't take the time to know him for ourselves. You know my job as a pastor? My job as a pastor is to say, hey, cat, I'm right. <laughs> I'm on a two-week win streak. <laughs> they be trying to trick me. <laughs> like, hey, cat, this is my boy Jesus. Jesus, this is cat. Get to know each other. That's my job as a pastor. My job is not to be Jesus for you. And too many people try to make us Jesus. I will fail you. Come to my house. We're like, whoa, that dude ain't not like. Woo, follow me on Instagram. wrong with y'all. Y'all laugh too much at church. <laughs> but many people rely on pastors, parents, and mentors to help them learn about Jesus when our job is only to introduce you to Jesus. That's evangelism. It's an introduction. But the continual education and the continual development takes an intimacy, takes you wanting to into me, you see. That's why, listen to me, married people, the day you say I do is not the day that you stop discovering your spouse. (laughs) Only at anchor. (laughs) It's continual development. All my saved people, single and victorious every day, all my singles who are, who are in love with Jesus and not going to let anybody get past the, the front door until they're ready to commit, just because they feel like they know you, they don't know you. They don't know you till they say, I commit to you. Life changes at I do. And all my married people say, amen. <laughs> We're like, I thought... I knew who I was marrying. <laughs> the women like, you used to could aim before we got married. <laughs> the man is like, every month? Wow. That's how I was. I mean, I was like, wow, didn't know. Didn't know. Oh, that's real. (laughs) Don't know you like that. (laughs) You're my hero. (laughs) (laughs) 
right, y'all. Yeah, all right, come back, come back. I'm going to get my own Netflix special. <laughs> Either y'all laughing because y'all flattering me or I'm good. I'm just playing. Look, come back, come back, come back. Knowing someone is spending time to get to know them and being around them. Get to know them and being around them. That's why we cannot let the COVID crisis make us diminish our gathering together. Do you hear me online? Don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together as some do, even as the day draw near. It's important that we get environments of faith filled with faith-filled people so we can be faith-filled. And so we can go out and continue to shine the light. It's, it's, it's amazing that if you take a, you know, I like hunting and they got this scope, this uh, infrared scope. And, and what happens is I can put my hand on something and take my hand off, look at my infrared scope, right, Ollie? Look at infrared scope and you can see that handprint. It's because the radiance of my body. Yeah, yeah, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's contagious. And the radiance of you getting to know someone, the closer proximity you are to Jesus, the more radiant you become. So the more people you touch, the more (laughs) potent in the contact that you touch. But if you ain't touching Jesus, don't expect nothing to transfer. Let me say this. But if you touching demons and devils and gossip and all this kind of stuff, that's what you transfer. And that's why people don't take your phone call no more. Be like, oh, not them. Boop. It's because of what you're transferring. So if I could just connect to the cross and what Jesus did on Calvary, and then I can plug into someone else's life, I can illuminate their life. And so when the enemy see them, that's why he says you can transfer things by the laying on of hands. See how science proves faith? It doesn't disprove faith. The deeper I get in the science, the more I understand that God is real. It doesn't push me away. It draws me close. I'll be like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. The whole universe rotates around the sun and that creates order. Wow, my life rotates around the sun. So it needs to, it creates order. They just spelt it wrong. Was there a big boom in the beginning? Yes, it was. The Bible says when God speaks, it sounds like thunder. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Don't you know that people could see your words with light? Vibrations can cause light. Anyway, y'all didn't come here for science. John 17, 3 says this. This is eternal life, that they may know You, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is Jesus praying. He said that they may know you. That they may know. That word know is the same word we use for intimacy. 
that they may become intimate with you. That's eternal life. And so when we're talking about the Christmas story, it's not just baby, oh, baby Jesus, oh, that was so cute. And they had the, the, the native, the, the, what, what is called the nativity scene and, and things that, oh, that's, that's fine. And daddy, but I didn't come to see a baby. I came to know. I want to know who he is. I want to experience. That's why the Magi traveled so far. And because they knew who he was, they gave to who he was. See how generosity is sparked when you understand who Jesus is? We got this hope offering coming up. The more you know Jesus, the more you want to give. Why do we give every week? We give because we know who he is. Giving is, isn't just a money scheme that the church put together. No, we're giving you an opportunity to partner in your knowledge of who he is so we can continue to perpetuate the hope that Jesus has given us. As our team went out, our young adults went out last, last night to go serve in the cold, to go serve the homeless yesterday. Why? Did we ask you for money for that? No, because there's people who know Jesus and they give. And we were able to go do that, even though only two of them was out yesterday. Thank the Lord for those two. That means the world catching on. Come on, somebody. That's why we were able to go out last Tuesday and give away a hundred and something hams. We're in Walmart and everybody's looking at us at Walmart like, what are y'all doing? What's going on? What's that all about? What, what, what is this all about? And we're able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people in Walmart just because they saw three baskets of hams. We just went out and did it because people want to know who Jesus is. And Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave. That's who he is. He's a giver. So over the past three decades, we have seen a perpetual misinformation campaign about the person of Jesus. A perpetual misinformation campaign. People have been trying to slander his name. And a lot of us have bought into it. As the falling away from the truth of the gospel has grown, individuals have consistently created their personal Jesus. It's like that scene in that great gospel movie, Talladega Nights, (laughs) where they're sitting around the table. I like my Jesus in the (laughs) cummerbund. Yo, I get a message from everything. I'm sitting there watching it. I'm like, wow, that is how we are. I like, I like baby Jesus. I like grown Jesus. I like Jesus to be cool. I like Jesus, you know, I like my cousin Jesus. I like, I like Jesus. I like Jesus. I like, and we create this own Jesus. But then when somebody begin to identify the real true Jesus, it doesn't line up with who you made him to be. You reject it. Wow. Because it isn't comfortable anymore. Jesus was confrontational. Why do you think they killed him? They didn't kill him because they love him so much. Oh, we love you so much. We're going to kill you. But we want a Jesus that is, that is just so Jesus, just he rainbow pooping unicorn Jesus. He rode in on a donkey. <laughs> Come on. I, Jesus was rough and rugged. Jesus was so rugged when they came to get him, Judas had to kiss him because they couldn't identify him. Why we try to beautify Jesus? Wow. 
When the Bible says they couldn't even pick him out amongst the people, he looked like everyone else. Merry Christmas. Historically, the people of the first century knew that the Messiah was coming. We all know that there is a Jesus. Everyone knows that there is a Jesus, but they were blinded by who they wanted him to be. They knew he was coming, but because they painted a picture, uh, he, he's going to come back. And they were under, um, you know, it was first century Palestinian rule. And they were under by, they were being pressed down by the Jews, I mean, uh, the Greeks and the Romans. And, and they were under Roman rule. And so they were like, Jesus is going to come back just like Moses did. And he's going to free us. And when he comes back, he's going to be a soldier. And he's going to have his sword and he's going to kill everybody. He's going to put us back in power and he's going to take care of us. And, and, and this is what Jesus is going to do. But Jesus, he, he didn't come back as the lion. He came back as a lamb. Yeah. Now, next time he come back. So he's going to come back. But because he came back as a meek and lowly, humble person, as he. And so that's why it's important that he came back in baby. Why the nativity scene is important? Because it was Jesus breaking the mold of who they thought he was. He could have came as a full-grown man. I mean, he is God. I mean, he is all-powerful. But he said, I want to show them that I'm not coming as who they are. I'm coming as who I am. What did he tell Moses? When you go before Pharaoh, he said, who should I tell him that sent me? He said, I am that I am. Not I am who you say I am. Oh, come on. Are you getting this this morning? Are you learning something? Is this something that's going to carry you throughout the season? I'm telling you, when you learn the real true Jesus, you're going to shine so bright. But because we've been blinded by this world, total blindness is the complete lack of light perception and form of perception. And is recorded as NLP, which means no light perception. It's an abbreviation. So they'll say NLP, you're blind. NLP, I can't perceive light. My eyes no longer perceive light. And I believe this, this, this generation have been blinded by this world. Watch this, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Nothing's new under the sun. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. He gave them NLP, no light perception. They cannot perceive the light of Jesus anymore. Come on up, team. They can't perceive the light of the team. What does that mean? He says this, they were blinded. So those who don't believe, they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news, our gospel. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God a lot of us cannot see the glory of God because we've been blinded and now we have NLP no light perception the only thing we perceive is darkness so when someone come give you hope you can't receive it because all you want to see is darkness what's that old song I can do bad by myself we need to be careful with what we embrace We're going to end this year not embracing the sickness. We're going to end this year not embracing hatred. We're going to end this year not embracing division. We're going to end this year not embracing that Jesus no longer is relevant. But we're going to open up our eyes to what the gospel is true. And we're going to be open up to the perception of light. And we're going to shine that light to our generation. That's who we're going to be, Anchor. 1 John 
1, 6 through 7 says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live according to the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I want to be cleansed from sin. So who is this light that illuminates the world? Y'all want to know? Who is this light? Number one, he was in the beginning. This is Jesus. He was in the beginning. Because he was there in the beginning, nothing catches him by surprise. There is nothing you're dealing with right now that catches Jesus by surprise. It may surprise you, but it doesn't surprise him. Remember I said the beauty of this is not the unwrapping of the gift, but the wrapping of the gift, which is Jesus Christ. And nothing catches him by surprise. He was in the beginning. The next one is this. He is the word. Who is this light? He is the word. Why is that important? Because if he said it, it has to come to pass. So if he said your family is going to be restored, guess what? It's going to be restored. If he said by his stripes you are healed, guess what? You're going to be healed. If he says your joy is coming back, you can bet your last dollar that it's coming back. If he said your business is getting ready to blow up, guess what? Get ready. Get that bank account ready. Start lining up that LLC. Get it, get it, get it going. Get going. Whatever God has you to do. If God says that you're gonna go become a doctor, start applying for schools. Get get ready. I mean, you, you have to start applying yourself. You have to start moving by faith. You have to walk by faith and not by sight. Because he was the word. If he said it, it's going to happen. The next thing is this. He is God with us. He's God with us. This light is God with us. Why is that important? Because there is no human experience that God cannot empathize with. That's right. That's good. Well, I'm hurting. I'm quite sure it hurt at the end. And I'm not even talking about the 39 lashes. I'm not even talking about the nails through the hands and the feet. I'm not even talking about the pierced side. I'm talking about the betrayal. I'm talking about the lies that people told about him. I'm talking about the family that vacated him. I'm talking about the people that walked with him for three years and beheld him and told him that, hey, even if you go here, I'm going with you. That didn't even show up to his crucifixion. That had to hurt. So what you're going through right now, whatever it is in this room or online, whenever you're watching this, whatever you're going through this season, because the holidays do make you feel a certain type of way. For me, it's the loss of my sister. Her, her birthday is coming up and the Christmas season come around and man, I, I fall into the doldrums of life. But I always remind myself that Jesus knows exactly how I feel. And he not only is compassionate, but he's empathetic, which means he enters into my pain with me. That's why I love that Psalms 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I'm not walking by myself. He's in the midst of that darkness with me. 
God is walking with you this morning. Do you hear me? The next thing is this, that what is this light? Everything is because of the word of God. Why is this important? Because chaos does not define you. Jesus is in and before everything and he's holding the world together. I just gave you the scientific thing. The sun is in the center of the universe and because of the, the magnanimity of the sun, how big it is, the gravitational pull of the sun keeps everything in order. Even when it feels like something is spinning out of control, the sun is sitting back like, no, I got that too. No, I have that too. And so in your life, when you experience chaos, that's more reason to hold on to your faith because nothing here it is. He has no rival. He has no equal. You give the devil too much credit. He isn't the opposite of Jesus. As a matter of fact, he was created. So therefore he is subject to the creator. So now when chaos hits your life, you have to hold on to the fact that the sun is in the middle, holding everything together. It's only a moment. And when he calls things in chaos, he looks, the Bible says, he looked out into the deep and the world was without form and void. He saw chaos and he, he couldn't stand it. And he said, let there be. And I believe God is speaking to you this morning. He's saying, let there be order in your life. And everything that is out of order is being pulled into order right now. Can you receive that? Can you receive that? The next thing this light is, he is life. Why is that important? Because you no longer just have to exist. You no longer have to take up space, but you can get in place. Yeah. You can start getting in where you fit in. Because now he says in John 10, 10, he said, I came that you may have life. And one translation said that life on a whole nother level. People not even going to comprehend where you're going in your life because he is life. And because you're connected to life, you're getting ready to have life. What was once dead has to come to life. Why did Lazarus come out the tomb? Is it because Jesus was sad? No, it's because what life says, when life gives life, life has to respond. So when he said, Lazarus, come out, life had to come back. And so whatever dead situation, whatever dream you let die, whatever hope you let fall to the ground, whatever aspiration that you had, God is standing here this morning and he's speaking to you so clearly. Those of you who are online, those of you who are here, and he says, let there be life. And it will live again. He is life. And lastly, he is the light that destroys darkness. John 1 through 5, remember this in our opening text, it says, the light shines on in the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it or overpower it or appropriate it or absorb it, absorb it, and is unreceptive to it. Come on, stand to your feet. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. I read that too fast. It says the light shines on in the darkness, which means it don't stop. <laughs> it doesn't stop. 
It doesn't stop. It just shines on and on and on and on and on. And there's nothing this world can do to stop this light from shining on and on and on and on and on. COVID couldn't stop it. Uh, dissension in the world couldn't stop it. Hatred can't stop it. Bigotry can't stop it. Racism can't stop it because this light is going to shine what? On and on and on and on and on and on. As long as the earth remains, the light will do what? Shine on. In your community, the light's going to what? Shine. In your family. In your body. The light is going to keep shining on and on. And the Bible says, darkness will not overpower it. Will not overpower it. Look at someone on your row and say, I'm just getting started. Come on, look at him and say, I'm just getting started. Look at someone behind you and say, I'm just getting started. Just getting started. Y'all listen, this is our last Sunday of the year, but of course we have our online experiences coming up. Don't, don't neglect that. It's, it's amazing. The team worked hard and it is going to be an amazing experience for you at home. Invite people, have watch parties to where you can watch those things. And, but I'm telling you, going into the year of 2023, the theme for next year is all in. It's all in. God spoke it to me back in October. Said next year is all in. Yeah, yeah. We're going all out for the Lord. Whatever it is he asks us to do, we're going after it with reckless abandon. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Somebody feel like, make it personal. Yeah. I'm all in. I'm all in on the vision that he gave for my household. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all in on the vision that he gave me, like I said, for my finances, for my business, for whatever. I'm all in. And it ain't nothing going to stop it. Okay. Nothing's going to stop it. Uh, uh, it says in Romans 23, uh, I mean, Romans 8, it says, uh, with God on our side like this, how can we lose? Right. Yeah. I'm all in. And if we're all pulling towards the same direction, if one can chase a thousand, two can chase 10,000, come on, you, you know the rest. I'm not a math person. <laughs> what? 10,000, three, 100,000, right? Something like that. Thank you, Elder. Thank you. So honest. On and on and on. <laughs> but now I want to say I love you guys. Thank y'all for your faithfulness this year. See my friend Chico in the back. What's up, man? Um, but no, I, thank you guys for your faithfulness. I greatly appreciate all that you guys has done this year. But y'all get ready next year. Get ready for next year. But I need your help. I need your help. Listen to your pastor's heart. I need your help. Our next level of multiplication is not from the pulpit. It's from the seats. I need you to go out and grab everyone you can. I want you to make yourself uncomfortable. Your goal for kicking off next year, when we come back the second week of January, the goal is that you won't have a seat. Amen. 
serious. You won't have a seat. Y'all hear the numbers when we we grew by what, 23% last year? 25%. We grew by 25% in a year where they say church should be dead. Come on. That's a good place to clap. And you guys will hear a little bit more of those numbers as we tell a story about what God did this year. But gave away over $15,000. Just gave it away. Church outsized. I mean, but I want you guys to understand that next year, I need your help. Whether it's the grocery store, whether it's wherever you are, man, compel people to come. Hey, if the bougie people don't want to come, find me some people that smell like the, nat- the, nat- the natural earth. <laughs> That's my PC way of saying it. Smell it like weed, okay? <laughs> Y'all made me say it. Smell like weed, smell like... Alcohol, I, I want them all in here. Come on, I want this place to stink on Sundays. Come on. Stink with people. And, and next year, man, I believe God wants to do it as we continue to expand and we purchase this property and we continue to a- increase our influence. I need your help. Amen. So let your light shine before men that those may see it may glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Can I pray for you? Yes. Father, I thank you, God, just for all that you've done through us throughout this year. Father, I pray, God, that your power would rest, rule, and abide in this place. I pray that your glory will reign, Father, over us, God. As we make contact with you and learn who you are, I pray, God, that we will shine brighter than the brightest star. Let us, let us allow people to see you, O oh God, through our good works. Father, I pray, God, that peace will come upon them, God. Let peace on earth and goodwill toward men be here, Father. Let the thrill of hope rise up on the inside of them. And, Father, I pray, God, that they enjoy this season like they've never enjoyed enjoyed it before. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. If you'd like to learn more about Anchor Chapel or support our ministries, you can visit anchorchapel.com or follow us on social media at Anchor Chapel. Have a great week.